Judges chapter 9, verse 42 to verse 57. This evening, as I said, we are continuing our series in Judges. Judges, as you know, is an historical account of God's people as they settle in the promised land of Canaan. You know that Moses, of course, led the people out of Egypt, passing through the wilderness, and then Joshua led the people into the promised land. But Judges is more than history. As you've been following this series, I hope you've seen that Judges is ultimately a story of dark days. But within those dark days, we see the light of God piercing through and pointing us forward to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And this morning, we looked at Judges chapter 9, verse 21 to verse 41. We are in the middle of Judges there where Gideon, of course, has died. And Abimelech has risen to this, proclaimed himself king of Israel. And we saw the first sermon, now Abimelech came to power two weeks ago. Now, in the morning, we saw Abimelech, of course, face an internal civil war. We saw that at three years of rule, his power is now being challenged. And yet we saw this morning that within that challenge, God is silently working in the background. We know that because our context of the verses this evening is verse 23 and verse 24, which we haven't read, but just glance with me over those verses. And God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the leaders of Shechem. And the leaders of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. And that the violence done to the 70 sons of Jeroboam, that is Gideon, might come, and their blood be laid on Abimelech, their brother, who killed them, and on the men of Shechem, who strengthened his hands to kill his brothers. We see there that God causes the leaders of Shechem to fall out with Abimelech. And we saw, we saw this morning that after that falling out, a battle rages between Abimelech and this new man in town, Gal, the son of Ebed. And we saw this morning that Abimelech prevails. Uh, he prevails because his henchman Zebu has carefully managed everything. And in the end, after that victory over Gal, the son of Obed, Zebu chases Gal from Shechem. Abimelech is back in control, so to speak. That is where we left the story this morning. Abimelech seriously weakened, yes, but still in control of the kingdom of Israel and Shechem to a degree. And perhaps you, are, you left that with some questions. You were wondering, is Abimelech too strong for God now? Will these evildoers continue to defy God's justice? Well, let's see how Judges chapter 9, verse 42 to verse 57 answers those questions. The key message really this evening I want you to see from this is that evildoers always lose in the end. Evildoers always lose in the end. And the first truth we learn from this passage that points us to that is this in front of your outline. It says, evildoers are destructive to everyone. Evildoers are destructive to everyone. That's the first truth. We see that, now, if the battle this morning 
between Gao and Abimelech was on Monday morning, right? This evening, we are on Tuesday. Okay? These events are now happening the morning after. Look at verse 42. We see the people of Shechem have woken up. Uh, they expect the day to be like any other Tuesday. Look at that. On the following day, the people of Shechem went out into the field. Let's just pause there for a moment and recognize that what the people are doing after this war has taken place, the verses before, is that they are returning now to normal life. They want to go back to normal routine. I want us to pause there because I want us to note that the Bible here is highlighting something admirable about human beings. It is highlighting the fact that we are resilient in first of tragedy. And this is something that British people, of course, are known for. We are known for the keep calm and carry on spirit. Uh, the British Chumbawamba spirit. You know that song, when you get knocked down, you, you, you get up again. Uh, we get up and carry on. And politicians, of course, often remind us after terror attacks to just carry on. And we do. Where does that come from? That sort of getting knocked down and you're back up again. Well, it is part of how God made us. Ugly, evil creatures that we are, yes, we still retain shirts of our divine maker. You see, our resilience in the face of trouble, and we see it here in Shechem, is a finger pointing to our maker who is always steadfast in face of evil, and he remains completely committed to destroying it. So like the British, the people of Shechem keep calm and carry on. But Abimelech is still filming. He promptly prepares a massacre. Let's read on verse 42. And Abimelech was told, verse 43, he took his people and divided them into three companies, very much like his father Gideon and set an ambush in the fields. And he looked and saw the people coming out of the city, so he rose against them and killed them. Abimelech the king has killed his own people in the fields. But he is so bloodthirsty, he wants more. So he takes his group to seal off the city, Completely. Look at verse 44. Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood at the entrance of the gate of the city, while the two companies rushed upon all who were in the field and killed them. The three companies now continue attacking the city until they have completely leveled it to the ground with all people in it. Look at verse 44. That's verse, rather, look at verse 45. And Abimelech fought against the city all the day, all that day. He captured the city and killed the people who were in it. And he raised the city and sowed it with salt. Shocking. The evil of Abimelech has now consumed an entire city, killing women and children. His own people is leveled it. Abimelech, you see here, 
is willing to commit genocide. This is genocide. Is willing to get rid of an entire city. Why? Because he wants to hold on to power. Here is now a politician who is willing to destroy, to maintain a life for himself. And friends, nothing has changed, isn't it? This almost feels so current. Because as we look around the world today, we see presidents like President Assad, King John Han, and Suwati in the Philippines. These are presidents that are willing to murder their own people to stay in power. And the continent, of course, where I come from, we know too well about the likes of Charles Taylor, who's in Belmarsh, saving time for killing his own people. We know about the Lord's Resistance Army in Uganda that murdered many people. Leaders in the past, like Idi Amin, they have murdered many to maintain power. And it's happening here. We think of the Rohingyas who are being evicted from their homeland in Burma. The Junta is willing to, to, to kill to maintain a grip of power. Abimelech is not alone. The Bible speaks to our times. But let's not think far away. I think we see this murder we are seeing here of innocence in our own country. We have political leaders in this country who are currently maintaining the practice of killing defenseless children in the womb out of political expedience. Any moment, Mrs. May can change the entire policy of the country on abortion. Any moment, our ministers can stand against that. But they don't. They continue to kill and maim in the name of political experience. The times have not changed. Genocide continues in this country. But the main point here is that these evil actions show that morality is not merely a private matter. Evildoers are destructive to all of us. You see, friends, evil turns us into a community where neighbor is against neighbor. The evil we do actively destroys the people we love. The husband who selfishly leads into a life of pornography ultimately ruins his marriage unless he repents. The child who's willing to rebel against her parents because she wants to go wild for a while, in the end brings heartache to her family. Evil is never private. You see, evildoers are always destructive to everyone around them. That's the first truth we learn this evening. Morality is not a private matter. Evildoers are destructive to everyone. The second truth we learn in this passage is that evildoers are defenseless against evil. Evildoers are defenseless against evil. Notice something here, friends. Abimelech has not finished his killing spree. You see, what's happened is that some of the leaders of Shechem have escaped what they hope is a safe refuge. Look at verse 46. When all the leaders of the Tower of Shechem heard of it, 
the head of these murders, they entered the stronghold of the house of El Berith. The house of El Berith is probably a fortified temple complex outside the city walls. Uh, it is a tower designed to be a last place of refuge. Of course, we know El Berith is what? Bell of the Covenant or El of the Covenant. This is a tower for their gods. They are now worshipping, of course, the Canaanite gods. And the leaders now run to this complex for safety. But Abimelech is on to them. Look at verse 47. And Abimelech was told that all the leaders of the Tower of Shechem were gathered together. You know, the leaders always like to get away from their mistakes. And here they've run away. Uh, the strong, as we saw in the, when we, we looked at the sermon on jail, the strong always get away. And here it looks like they're getting away. But Abimelech is on to them in verse 47. They are all gathered there, and he quickly comes up with a plan to literally smoke them out. Look at verse 48 to verse 49. And Abimelech went to Mount Zalmo, outside Shechem, he and all the people were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand. You can just picture him. He's cutting down this tree, and he cut down a bundle of brushwood and took it up and laid it on his shoulder. This is the king. He's leading from the front. And he said to the men who were with him, What you have seen me do, hurry and do as I have done. Have we heard that before, by the way? Who said those words? Gideon. Gideon, this is what Gideon did when he charged the 300. Do what I do. And, you know, he's learned from his dad. But his dad was doing that against the Midianites. He's doing this against his own people. Look at this 49. So every one of the people cut down his bundle and following Abimelech put it against the stronghold. And they set the stronghold on fire so that all the people of the Tower of Shechem also died. About 1,000 men and women. The people inside the complex are dead. Abimelech has destroyed the leaders who put him there. The people that put Abimelech there are now crushed by Abimelech himself. They are completely immolated, right? You know, fire has completely consumed them. We should note in passing here that evil destroys evil. You see, God often uses men to destroy evil men. Evil nations to wipe out evil nations. But also this passage is reminding us of something very important which we talked about here this morning and it's worth repeating for those of you who are not here. What we see here is that there is no fellowship in evil relationships. Evildoers are only loyal to themselves. Abimelech has used and dumped the people of Shechem. He used them to rise to power and here now he literally burns them. And he has consumed them at such great cost. So the lesson of this morning is worth repeating. This is a warning to all of us in those moments when we are tempted to compromise our relationship with God for some evil pleasure. When we give in to temptation of evil, we usually do it because we think some good will come out of it. 
Well, friends, this verse is telling us nothing good comes from evil. Nothing. Nothing good comes from evil. And the reason for that is because in the end, the thing we place our trust in can never give us that ultimate security from the very effect of evil. You see here, the people of Shechem have run to their Tower of Baal. But what is the end result? Baal has failed to protect them from the evil of Abimelech. Evil doers are defenseless against evil because you can't protect fire against fire. You can't protect fire with fire. It's in the end, or evil is suicidal. It is self-harm. If we are entertaining evil in our lives, we need to be aware that not only does it destroy others, evil leaves us defenseless against harm. That's the second truth. Truth number one, evil doers are destructive to everyone. We only have these, and I did this for, for a friend, of course. We only have these this evening. Evildoers are destructive to everyone. Truth number two, evildoers are defenseless against evil. Here is the final D. Evildoers are destroyed by God. They are destroyed by God. Now, Abimelech has destroyed a thousand men in Shechem and he's completely destroyed the entire town. In fact, he's leveled it. We don't know how many people are in it, but he's been killing, 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 and he's leveled it. These are the people who put him there and he's completely destroyed them. Now, at this point, surely we are thinking Abimelech has satisfied his lust for revenge. These are the people who have offended him. This is where his mother comes from. I wonder what's happened to his mother, by the way. I mean, that's an interesting question. But his mother comes from here. His relatives are here. And he's completely leveled the ground. So you think, look, he's dealt with everyone, including perhaps his own relatives. But alas, he hasn't finished. Abimelech is so drunk with power and rage, now he turns his sight on the nearby city of Tebes. Look at verse 50. Then Abimelech went to Tebes and encamped against Tebes and captured it. <laughs> this, is, this is mad. We are wondering, what's, what has Tebes got to do with what's happening here? I mean, has this guy gone crazy or something? We don't know. I mean, Tebes is a few miles northeast of Shechem. It may be a satellite town of maybe Shechem, of Shechem but it's not clear why he's attacking Tebes. What is clear is that he's on a roll. Look at this 50 again. He went and encamped against Tebes and he captured it. And like before, he comes up with a plan. This guy loves fire. He comes up with a plan to smoke them out again when the people ran to the tower to seek protection. Look at this 51. There was a strong tower within the city and all the men and women and all the leaders of the city fled to it and shut themselves in. And they went up to the roof of the tower. They are seeking protection, but Abimelech presses forward. Look at verse 52. And Abimelech came to the tower and fought against it and drew near to the door of the tower to burn it with fire. I mean, it's a, 
he's an arsonist, like those boys perhaps that set the fire to Athens. You know, he's just, he's just crazy about fire. But of course, we know something about fire because Jotham has already talked about, you know, fire coming out of, you know, the thorn bush, so to speak. And so here we see that he's pressing on with this fire, he's possessed by it. But notice something here. Just as Abimelech is about to ignite the fire over the tower, he discovers it is too late. It turns out, in the words of one commentator, a woman has a crush on him. Look at verse 53. And a certain woman drew through an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Now, the upper millstone here is a small stone, uh, but it's heavy enough to do a lot of damage if it is dropped from a height and is well aimed, as this woman does. It lands on Abimelech, it crushes his skull, part of it, and Abimelech knows his end is inside. Look at verse 54. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, a bit like Saul would do later, lest they say of me, a woman killed him. He doesn't want to end up like Sisera, I guess. And his young man thrust him through, and he died. In this culture, it is shameful to be killed by a woman in this way, he felt. So he decides to die instead at the hands of his armor bearer. This is how he thinks. It's, you know, it's his ego. You see, even in death, Abimelech is all about ego. He chooses assisted suicide rather than death at the hands of a woman. A violent and shameful death for a violent and shameful man. And it is over now. Look at verse 55. Not the same one. This is his life. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, everyone departed to his own. Israel's civil war has now finished. How has it finished? It's finished with everyone a loser except God. Look at verse 56 to 57. Thus God returned the evil of Abimelech, which he committed against his father, in killing his 70 brothers. And God also made all the evil of the men of Shechem return on their heads. And upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubel. The message of chapter 9, as we come to the end of it, is simple. The evildoers have been destroyed by God. God has the last word. Now, there are some important things to note about God's destruction of evildoers here. You might call this uh, four points on point three. The first thing we see here is that God has destroyed an entire town of sinful people. And the town I'm referring to is the town of Shechem. The town of Shechem and Abimelech have been destroyed by God through secondary causes, of course, through the civil war. God has destroyed people he created and loves. This fact alone, friends, should dispel any notions you may have that God doesn't bring harm to those who do wrong. 
Here we see that God destroys human beings he created and loves when they rebel against him. We must let this terrible destruction of Shechem be a warning to all of us here. God is serious about evil and is so committed to destroying evil he will pursue it wherever it is found and ensure that it is destroyed. Point number two. God destroys evildoers in this life. Shechem and Abimelech are punished in this life literally for their evil actions. And they'll be punished in hell as well. But they are punished in this life. We need to note that because sometimes we forget. I've spoken to people who tend to think of God's judgment only as a matter of punishment in hell. There is a mindset among some of us that says, I'll sin now, then I'll repent. What foolishness. This passage is saying God has placed sinners on a slippery slope. And that his judgment can reach us in this life. He punishes us in this life when he chooses to do that. So don't take sin as a light matter. Third point. God destroys evildoers because he is just to the oppressed. The destruction of Abimelech and Shechem is for a specific sin. It's in verse 56 to verse 57. Thus God returned the evil of Abimelech which he committed against his father, his father who's dead, interestingly, in killing his 70 brothers. The 20 brothers are innocents here. And God, he says, and verse 57, and God also made all the evil of the men of Shechem return on their heads and upon them the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubel. God here is standing with the slain sons of Gideon and Gideon himself and with Jotham who is hiding from Abimelech's terror. Our God cares for victims of evil in our world. And in the end, ultimate justice does not come from governments, science, or goodwill. It only comes from our God who punishes evildoers. You see, friends, the God of the Bible is the only hope for the oppressed peoples of this world. The unborn, the homeless, the victims of sexual abuse. God is their only hope. We have the gospel that can give them that hope. So let these challenges to get the message out. Because the justice they long for is only found in God. Finally, which is I think point number four if you're writing this down. We see the punishment here is a foretaste of the future punishment of evildoers on final day of judgment. We again see here that the punishment of evildoers 
is like I said in that sermon on sin, it's a last chance warning. When God punishes sinners like this, what he's doing is saying, stop, stop, stop. It's like the light flashing on the dashboard. There is danger ahead. And the danger ahead is what? Hell and eternal punishment. One day God will punish all evildoers in hell. Those who die go to hell in remand, as I like to say, and then face eternal punishment as a hand in hell again forever. Now, all of that may sound gloomy, but actually, it is good news. Here is our God who destroys all evil. As we saw this morning, here is our God who not only rules over the physical world, but he rules over the spiritual world. Here is our God who not only commands the future, but he commands the present and the past as well. But there's more good news in this passage. I mean, you may call this a fifth point, but we see here there's more good news because I want you to step back as we've been trying to do in Judges. Step back now, look at what we've been looking at in this passage. What do we see here? We see the people of Tebes, isn't it? They are saved. How are they saved? What are they saved from? They are saved from the destruction of Abimelech. They are saved from God's judgment. How does this happen? Well, they run to the strong tower. We saw that. They run to the strong tower, verse 51. And this tower is different from the tower of Shechem. The tower of Shechem is a house of El Berith. This is just a normal tower they run to for protection. It is not a tower of idols. And when they get there, what happens? Well, a woman steps forward in weakness. Like jail with a tent peg. She wields a rock and it crushes a bimelech. And it sets our people free. Now, if you've been following, I'm sure brother, uh, uh, my dear brother Rob follows me quite closely in these things. I'm sure you all do, but he likes to know, see the types. You can already hear the types. You can already hear in the background what's happening here. We can see the tower of Tebes and the obscure woman who serves our people in witness from evil and judgment surely, surely is pointing us forward to Jesus. Jesus is our strong tower of Tebes. Jesus is our rock, the upper millstone of Tebes that protects us from God's punishment. Jesus is the weak savior of Tebes, who through the stone of the cross has crushed the strong man Satan. He's crushed our Abimelech on the cross and keeps us now safe forever from evil and God's judgment. Here is the point. If you are truly trusting in Jesus this evening, God has made you right with him. Jesus has lived a life you couldn't live. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. He made him sin to be sin. Who knew no sin, right? So that we can become the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus has lived the life you couldn't live. He has paid the debt you couldn't pay. And therefore, as a follower of Jesus, your sins are forgiven and your entire life is now reckoned blameless. And Brother Fred will tell you more about what it means to live a blameless life. Next week. 
So God now looks upon our lives as spotless clean, as Jesus' own life. We are no longer enemies. We have run to the strong tower of terrors and we've been protected there now from evil. We are in Jesus, our strong tower of strength. So we have nothing to fear against evil. All we need to know is that evil is being defeated, has been, evil has been defeated on the cross, is being defeated now, and will forever be defeated. We know that we have a great future with God. We know that any moment Jesus will appear with the sound of the trumpet. The appearing of Jesus will mean the end of his present evil age with its evil doers. No more Abimelechs. God will pour his wrath on all who reject him and bring us safely into the new heavens and new earth. So friends, no matter what evil we face today, we must stay faithful and trust in God for the inevitable, as I've called it there in the title, the inevitable defeat of evil. Maranatha, come now, Lord Jesus. Amen.